presenting this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. We're talking to experts in the field about sports and exercise-related injuries and the latest advances in diagnosis, treatment, and prevention to help your patients stay active. You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment on sports medicine. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Paul Stricker. Dr. Stricker practices sports medicine at the Scripps Clinic in San Diego, California. He is the past president of the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine and is a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics Council on Sports Medicine and Fitness. Dr. Stricker was an All-American swimmer in college and served as team physician for the United States Olympic team at the Sydney Olympics. He is the author of the book, Sports Success Rx, Your Child's Prescription for the Best Experience. Today we're discussing strength training for children. Dr. Stricker, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good. So other than getting stronger, are there other reasons why children should engage in strength training? Overall, their ability to kind of grasp different parts of their sports will develop their own strength along the way. But in some particular cases, we'd like to think that if a kid is already pretty progressed, that sure, there's some reasons to strengthen certain parts of the body to make them be able to withstand the rigors of that activity over and over again with a little bit better strength and less risk of injury. Everybody wants to know, how early can my child start training? The million-dollar question that we get asked all the time, and it's very interesting that the majority of the time that question is being asked from the parent or the coach rather than from the child themselves. (laughs) That's the truth. I'm a pediatrician. The kids never seem to ask that question. I know. But what's important is when you look at Again, overall development, if you're talking about when is a child able to really just stand there fully concentrated on whatever they're doing without having to concentrate on not falling down, and a lot of times those mature skills of posture and balance and all of that, what we call proprioception, really matures at about age six or seven, seven and a half. So in most cases, we would not even begin to recommend it before about seven or eight because we want them to be able to stand without having to think about it. What would you recommend? What's the appropriate beginning strength training program for a youngster, say, seven, eight years age? Yeah, it's very specific when you think about, okay, what is the reason for them wanting to do it at that age anyway? And in the majority of cases, even though we feel that, okay, that's an okay age to start, there's very few kids who fall in the category that it's even appropriate for them to be starting at that age. If you have a kid who, let's say, has been involved in soccer or swimming or gymnastics or something where they're really doing this for quite a while and they're already pretty refined at a lot of the skills of their sport by eight or nine, then in that particular case, if they want to do some focused, generalized strength training and work on their core and some sport-specific activities, then it may be one small part of an overall conditioning program for that child. I think the problem we get into is that People just want to jump into strength training as the answer to everything, and the kid may not even have developed any of their skills yet. So why would you want to get stronger at something you're not good at? Mm, That's a very good point. Is there a general endurance or strength training program that just builds muscle tone that would be applicable to multiple sports? In general, when you're talking about these pre-pubertal kids, all of them are going to be involved in some kind of a program that if they're going to do it, needs to be, you know, higher repetitions, low weights absolutely exquisite technique, hawk-like supervision, and things that, again, are working the whole general body, including the core. So I think it always needs to be focused on that because they're not going to be getting bigger, obviously, until they finally hit puberty and get those hormones on board. I thought you really needed the androgens before you could build 
muscle bulk, does it do any good to do these kind of strengthening exercises pre-puberty? Yeah, we really were quite kind of confused about that many, many years ago. And in fact, it's funny, one of the early American Academy of Pediatric Policy statements back in the 80s was like, you know, hey, there's no reason to do this. You know, there's no hormones on board. So it's kind of an end of story. Clearly, over the years, we've come a long way. And we know that prior to the androgens, which allows you to get much more strength and a lot of bulk, but prior to that, it's a neurologic mechanism. You start recruiting a lot more muscle units and so these kids that are well pre-puberty, 8, 9, 10-year-olds, can gain very significant strength, but clearly they're not gaining any size. So in some cases, it really can be applicable if they're really already pretty refined in their sport. Does it make a difference whether you use free weights or the machines? I love that question because I really do think it matters. There are certain instances where there are child-sized machines, but in general, when you think about most of the gyms across the country, those machines are made for adult sizes. And if you move with a pin up, you know, one plate, it's going to be sometimes 10 pounds. That's way too much of an increment for a child. So we really do feel that in most cases, even though pretty much any way you try to strength train will allow these kids to get stronger, something that seems to work best is more when you're talking about the stretch tubing or the rubber band, small dumbbells, things where they can control them very easily. They can do sport-specific movements and they can go up very, very slowly. Now, if you have the older child in high school, does that make a difference to them, whether they're using machines or free weights? Well, in free weights, we still like to think that 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 helps them isolate certain muscle groups much better, and they Mm -hmm. can even do one limb that will help isolate without cheating. So in some cases, it it does take a lot more control and a lot Mm -hmm. more core strength and a lot more technique to be able to do that. But In many cases, the free weights are going to still be where they get a lot of their increase in in strength and ability. I'd like to welcome those who are just joining us on this special segment on sports medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. Paul Stricker, past president of the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine. We're discussing strength training for children. Are you often asked or are you asked to write a prescription for strength training for children? And if so, could you maybe give us an example of what you would write in terms of a prescription or instructions for, say, a 10 to 12-year-old, a 14 to 16-year-old, and maybe 18 to 21-year-old children? Yeah. When you're starting out in the pre-pubertal age range, you really do want to focus on, you know, maybe two or three times a week, 15 to 20 repetitions with very low weights and really just making sure, again, most positively that their technique is absolutely perfect. And they really need to be mixing that with, you know, working on the core and sport-specific activities and keeping that up with their aerobic training and conditioning as a whole picture and really not overly focusing because they may still be involved in multiple activities. When you're dealing with your 14 to 16, you're kind of just in the middle of puberty kids To me, that's almost even bordering on more of a concerning age group because most of them are in kind of peak height velocity when they're kind of around that 13, 14 age range, and their bodies are growing so quickly that the muscle tendon units often don't stretch fast enough to keep up. And so you have all of these growth plate inflammations, the apophysitis, your famous Oscar-Slaughter's disease, and those kind of situations come up. So multiple sort of risk factors for injury occur more during that rapid growth phase when these kids may look like they're able to lift a lot more weight. I'm almost a little bit more cautious during that time. 
once they're in these kind of late teens, early 20s, you're right, those are very mature. They can build up lots of good strength and conditioning, and they can do, again, three, maybe four times a week, but you don't really want to go much more than that because it really hasn't proved to be beneficial if you go past four times a week. Is there a difference in the way you train for strength versus bulk definition? In general, when you're talking about overall muscle tone and strength, kind of a more moderate program with 8 to 12 repetitions, 8 to 15 repetitions seems to be more beneficial. Now, again, there's many strength and conditioning experts out there who probably know this research even better, but in general, when they're talking about more bulk programs, I see athletes doing more higher weights, maybe three to five repetitions, you know, where they're almost getting to that max out on a more regular basis, whereas you know, when you're more in moderation, you're developing more of that kind of overall strength. And then if you're doing high repetitions, lower weights, you're building more of that endurance capacity of that muscle to do an activity over and over again. And then do you modify or is there a different prescription for strength training for girls versus boys? In general, no. I mean, they're going to be obviously going through some of the same developmental aspects, just like the guys that just get there a little bit sooner And in general, they're a little bit more flexible than guys, and so sometimes you do have to be a little bit careful of that. But overall, their programs are very similar in, you know, how you would increase that as time goes on and try to do things, again, that are more general, work in the core, and be sports-specific in certain areas, like if they're an overhead athlete, for instance. And how about evaluation of the child before they begin a strength training program? Yeah, no, I think that's key. I think that's an excellent question because part of it is we can talk about strength prescriptions all day long, but what's really key is, first of all, you know, what's the motivation behind it? Again, who's it coming from, the kid, the coach, or the parent? Second of all, how progressed is the kid already in that activity? What is the child's goal for doing strength training? Is it realistic or not? And in some cases nowadays, you know, we're really getting into the fact where a lot of kids want to strength train just to look good. They're not involved in a sport they want to look like the magazine cover, and this is a real issue. That's why steroid use has filtered down into the middle schools pretty easily. Are there any contraindications to strength training, medical conditions that you just say, no, this is not for you, and stick to another sport? Yeah, we don't like any child or, of course, adult who has uncontrolled hypertension. Uh, they have uncontrolled seizures or seizures that occur frequent enough that you can't predict. Thirdly, if the child has had any history of chemotherapy with any of the anthracyclines, those things have been implicated in acute cardiac decompensation. So that's a real important history since a lot of our kids are surviving some of the leukemias much more often. Those are kind of the biggest reasons why we would kind of just say kind of automatically know if they have, you know, Marfans or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. These are things that, again, you're not going to want someone to just randomly go into a strength training program in those particular cases. And then you're feeling about powerlifting or bodybuilding for children, say, up until the age of 18. Yeah, I think when you're getting into that 16 or under, uh, you're still in a really danger zone for bodybuilding types of things because there's all sorts of other issues that go along with that, such as eating disorders or just kind of disordered eating and other kind of practices for weight loss. The other thing is when you're talking about strength training versus competitive Olympic weightlifting, we get that question all the time. In general, the AAP does not support competitive Olympic weightlifting for the general child population because of the super high risk of injury with those kind of ballistic explosive lifts. 
However, we clearly know that there are children involved in very rigid, highly supervised, strict programs of Olympic weightlifting. They use a broomstick for years, you know, just to learn the technique. Those kids get through very nicely. They don't have a high rate of injury. Those kids are probably perfectly fine. We just don't want that concept to then filter over into your sixth-grade football team where they're going to be doing the clean and jerk or the snatch, which isn't appropriate for those younger children. Is there a role for strength training in prehabilitation or prevention of injuries? We'd love to be able to say, of course, unconditionally, that yes, if you strength train, it shows a significant reduction in injuries. And unfortunately, we're just not far enough with that kind of research yet to say that conclusively. There are some very good signs that certain types of plyometric training, jump landing training, certain strength training is going to have a positive effect on reducing ACL injuries, especially in girls. Some of the prehabilitation exercises do seem to have an effect on these highly repetitive overuse kids, such as swimmers and pitchers and volleyball players. So in certain instances, we're seeing some promise there. And so we definitely would advocate that kind of a general program if you're really involved in one particular activity over and over again. Is there an aspect about strength training in children that I didn't ask you about that I should have? Well, I'd I'd love to just comment on the fact that I think, again, people might be a little bit misguided in that thinking that strength training is going to absolutely improve a child's performance. And that's another area of research that we really have very little to back that up. We see certain indices where they may have a certain improvement in, let's say, um, you know, jump height or takeoff speed, but then when you try to translate that into an actual performance benefit, uh, we don't seem to see any consistent ability to absolutely affect somebody's performance. So I think, again, when we look at it as overall conditioning, uh, prevention, um, you know, good body health, it has a very definite role. Is it going to be the panacea to help some kid win the gold medal? Can't say that at all. I'd like to thank Dr. Paul Stricker, who's been my guest, and we've been discussing strength training for children and adolescents. You've been listening to a special segment on sports medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. I invite you to listen to our on-demand library by visiting us at ReachMD.com. Register with the promo code radio and receive six months of free streaming audio. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I wish you good day and good health. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Sports Medicine. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com.